Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast that refuses to schedule Bama in week one. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros. I'm Michael Newman. I'm Ryan Newman. And I'm Trey Newman. All right, that was an awesome opening weekend, the first time we've had fans in the stands in a couple years, so... That was great to see, uh, and I'm sure, of course, most everybody listening knows generally what happened in the big games, so instead of going through one by one all these games every week, uh, our recaps are going to just be some of our biggest takeaways from from the previous weekend. So, Trey, what's your, your first takeaway from week one? Well, I was looking at the Big Ten ranked matchups that we had. Um, obviously, the the big one was Penn State at Wisconsin. Penn State got the big road win, sixteen to ten. Wisconsin, though, they just have to be kicking themselves. Like every time they got in the red zone, they they floundered. You know, bad handoff exchanges, exchanges, missed short field goals, turnovers. And and the other thing that's crazy about this, if I told you that Wisconsin had the ball for over forty two minutes and ran forty four more plays, you'd probably say like. James Franklin, you're in trouble. They, how many plays did they run? Like in the 80s? It was, was it in like, the 90s. Oh, was, I was going to say, okay. It was, I, it was crazy. Uh, wow. But but I, I am kind of curious. I would love to know what the the real rational Badger fans think. Because like I personally, I'm not writing Graham Mertz off whatsoever. Um, but I would just, I, you know, because he's not going to face a, a good Penn State defense every week. But it is, we're starting to see a theme. So I'm just curious to know what 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 they really, really think. Um and then, yeah, yeah, but I guess I do Ryan, have to mention. It's, it's looking like Ryan. It's looking like I was right in our off-season <laughs> ranking yeah. of Grand yeah, Merch. Yeah, so low on merch, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the Penn State side, to their credit, I do have to mention Jahan Dotson. He was the best weapon on the field, and he got behind the secondary and was the difference in the game. And the other matchup, of course, was Indiana at Iowa, and you know Iowa just thrashed the 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 Hoosiers 34 to 6. It was 31 to 3 at the half and Hawkeye's defense really just looked incredible. Made Penix and the Hoosiers look really bad. There were a couple pick sixes. Spencer Petrus for Iowa, he didn't didn't look great, but with Goodson at running back and that defense, he's not always going to need to. Yeah, for sure. Iowa is just same old same old on that defense. I don't know how they do it, but they just got a system and it works, man. Um all right, uh my first takeaway just kind of gets a little bit to what you were talking about. I just had the overall lack of offense from a lot of these top teams. Um, 10 ranked teams this week didn't even reach 20 points. You know, you had started off with North Carolina and Sam Howell just couldn't do anything against Virginia Tech. Then, of course, the big one, as we all know, was Georgia and Clemson, which was just, I mean, two awesome defenses, no doubt about it. But boy, did those QBs and offenses look bad. Um, couldn't do anything. So that was disappointing. Both of those QBs were under five yards per pass attempt. It was it was atrocious. Clemson just rushed for two yards. So <laughs> yeah, ugh, Georgia was at least decent on the ground. Like they they got 121 yards rushing. Zamir White played well. But uh, but then outside of that, you had Iowa State. I mean, what they have? Was it 16 points or 13? I can't even remember. 16, I think. 16, right? Against Northern Iowa, uh, Indiana, we Trey mentioned. Wisconsin, Penn State were ugly. Uh Washington, seven points against Montana, you know, and even some others that actually did make 20 didn't look great doing it. Like USC, your team, Mike, they didn't look great on offense. Uh, no. Florida kind of struggled a little bit before Atlantic. Texas A&M had their slow start. I don't know. It was just a lot all over college football. I was just like, this is just not looking all that great. So um, week one, maybe we'll have a little hiccups. 
And to illustrate your point, unders went 48, 27, and 1 uh, over the weekend. So, yeah, it wasn't just. Yeah, sort I had of those anic- too. Yeah, sure. I hit them all. Oh, you you just took under in every game? <laughs> there no, was, I, I saw on Twitter, there was a better who I think it was a 20 team parlay, something like that, all unders in college football. And he hit it. Nice job, it was guy. like 10 nice bucks job, to guy. win 50,000 or something like that. But. Um, Might want to report that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Massive influx of fifty grand. IRS gonna gonna want to yeah. see, see some <laughs> money <peaking>. there. <laughs> um, okay, so my first takeaway. Well, actually, about the the Clemson Georgia game, I guess we should maybe yeah talk I mean, about that oof. a little bit about the ramifications of that. What do you yeah. what are we thinking about Clemson? Are we super concerned? What do you get? What do you guys think? I'm concerned about their national title aspirations. I mean, I can still easily see them running the schedule or running the table of the rest of their schedule just because the ACC is. Who is it going to beat them? Um, even with the offense that's not as good as it has been because the defense is still good and the offense will get better. We have right. was Georgia's defense is amazing. They have a fantastic defense and they'll get better. But hey, without ETN, you know, consistent pass game, we ugly was he was confused, man. He was shat. He was just rattled. Yeah. And well, we. <laughs> And uh, I almost said shattered, but <laughs> okay. Well, well, you stopped halfway through, His which confidence is was shattered. Not a great word to stop halfway through. <laughs> but, Didn't even catch yeah. that. But the thing is, I mean, also, it's not like Georgia was much better. They they didn't score an offensive touchdown either. So uh, yeah, just no, one of those games with great defenses. The receivers weren't getting open for either side, um, which right. was a concern, yeah. I guess, coming into the season a little bit. Georgia yeah, at least and the receivers are maybe have a couple come back during the year but right yeah i mean and georgia that's arguably one of the best defenses like that performance was one of the best performances we've ever seen in you know in recent history in terms of it and and the other thing is we gotta remember like these two teams have known about this game for eight months and they know each other like Mm. the back of their hand so maybe that was a a reason why the defense won this matchup yeah d-lines definitely owned the the offensive lines which again the offensive lines for both teams were a little bit of a concern coming into this game so yeah, that definitely bared out. Um, but anyway, getting to my my first takeaway from week one, it's Ohio State's offense. They are going to be just fine. Minnesota oh, did yeah. give them a little bit of a scare in the first half, and C.J. Stroud missed some throws. Uh, but the second half completely dominated. The offense ended up with 13.4 yards per pass attempt, 7.7 yards per carry. Defense is still a concern for the Buckeyes, but looks like the offense will be able to to bail them out at times still want to see more from cj stroud but that second half was was good Olave and wilson just too good yeah I mean, a lot of a lot of yak for uh i mean for cj stroud like wide open half. too at times like they're just i mean they're those guys are great yeah it was sad also to see minnesota's running back ibrahim go uh, down that was that too was bad brutal he was good too for the what year. great game he was he having. was that's a shame uh all right and so another theme was teams that lost a lot of skill talent and in the, in the first week it had an impact. So most notably it was North Carolina. Uh, Ryan, you briefly mentioned they, they struggled and they lost to Virginia tech only put up 10 points. And it seems like more often than not, people will overreact to losing certain skill players, but it really had an impact on, on the, the Tar Heels. And even another team was Louisville uh, on Monday night. We saw against Ole Miss, Ryan, you, you nailed this on the, uh, on the head, you you mentioned that that it's a lot of talent to overcome, 
And, you know, like with North Carolina, most media, they acknowledge the losses at running back and receiver, but they seem to kind of gloss over it as North Carolina still had a ton of buzz with, with Sam Howell and Mac Brown. But the Tar Heels, they're not, they're not done, of course, but they did prove that the offense still has some work to do because the Hokies were able to stifle the heels. So it was a huge and, win for, for Justin Fuente. And, yeah. And not only did North Carolina, they lost, of course, yeah, their top two receivers and top two running backs, but well, who was supposed to be maybe their top receiver this year, Bo Corrales, was out in this game. So just another loss. I think Coffrey Brown wasn't 100%. So, yeah, that was, that was a lot to deal with. Yep, uphill battle for, for sure. Uh, all right, my, my second takeaway is Alabama's clearly number one. Um, we kind of had like a top five pecking order, it seems like, heading into the year. I think right now it's a top one, and then there's four people after. Uh, they are just so good on both sides of the ball. They just completely dominated Miami, could do whatever they wanted. And Miami's going to be good. Like, I'm not super down on Miami after that game. I just, I mean, they have a lot of production coming back. We know Derek King's going to be solid. You know, they're going to be fine, but Alabama's just too good. Bryce Young looked incredible. So, yeah, but when you compare that to what else happened, like Clemson, Georgia, of course, two great teams going at it. So you can understand maybe some hiccups, but those offense, those offenses don't match what, what Alabama has. And then Oklahoma, the other team that was people were kind of high on, what happened to get against Tulane? They just, I mean, it was four, they only won by five. Tulane kind of had a shot there at the end. If Michael Pratt could have just got another yard and kept that drive alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you had a massive scare, of course. So that defense just eh, showing, showing some uh, weaknesses. And then we know Ohio State's defense showed some weaknesses. So Bama, clear number one uh, after week one. Surprise, surprise. Yep. Uh, my second takeaway is that the Pac-12 North is the Oof. worst division in college football. <laughs> Not really, but they had a horrible starting weekend. So Washington yeah. lost at home to Montana. Uh, I, I think our concerns about Jimmy Lake's hire of John Donovan at offensive coordinator are... Uh, so bad turning out to be correct because that is not good yeah his defense is good but man the offense yeah. is the opposite <laughs> yep uh washington state lost at home to utah state so nick rolovich going to be feeling the heat even more especially after some you know off the field controversies yep. both of these past off seasons uh oregon state lost at purdue not a big deal there stanford got dominated in jerry world by k-state their offense just couldn't do anything I- uh, horrible putrid cal lost at home to nevada i love the synonyms there i just we, we you guys should have kept going back and forth <laughs> uh, no but cal, cal lost at home to nevada and then the only win was oregon but they barely survived as a 20 point favorite against fresno state they needed some heroics yeah. for anthony brown at the end of the game so uh yeah the south looks I hadn't actually a lot stronger every single team like that wow <laughs> one in five so bad one in five in week one too that's not good mm-hmm no. Yeah. All right. My my third takeaway, and it's arguably the story of the the week, story of the year. I got to touch on the Notre Dame Florida oh, State on, game. Can I, can I pause for one sec? I'm I'm looking forward to week two for those teams. Washington goes to Michigan. Oregon goes to Ohio State. Cal plays at TCU. Stanford uh, plays at USC. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, yeah. That's that old. <laughs> who do the, wow. the Cougs play in the Beavers? I think uh, Beavers play Hawaii. In yep, the Beavers play Hawaii. Who do the Cougs play? Uh, I don't know who the Cougs play. You guys could look it up while Trey's talking. But, like it's not looking good for week two either. No, yeah. that's true. Hey, maybe they'll <laughs> maybe they'll turn the tide. Yeah. Um. But no, I was gonna say my my third takeaway, arguably the the takeaway of the year, the moment of the year, 
in that Notre Dame Florida State game on Sunday night, Mackenzie Milton. So yeah, even though it didn't have the total storybook ending, that story was pretty dang special. Like because oh, in terms of the game, Notre Dame they were able to squeak out a, a three point win in overtime after they kind of gagged a, a three score lead in the fourth quarter. Jack Cohen he looked great most of the night until Kelly got pretty conservative there. But uh, they have they still have some work to do defensively. But but back to Milton, he came in during the fourth quarter after Jordan Travis's helmet came off, and he ended up staying in, led them to 10 straight point, late points to force the OT. You know, it would have been amazing for him just to kind of come in and mop up duty with nothing on the line, given the few years of rehab he's gone through. But he was clutch, had some amazing plays to oh. force overtime against a top 10 team. Like, good for him. It was cool to see Doak Campbell rocking again. And for yep. Florida State fans, you got to hope that they play with that passion the rest of the year. But that Milton story was so cool. That was one of the most fun games to watch, especially that when Mackenzie Milton came in. Right when, yes. right when uh, Travis Jordan Travis's helmet came off, I was like, "Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly." <laughs> Apologies to the Travis, whole crowd but did too. the whole crowd yeah. did. Oh yeah, yeah, it was that was incredible. And he made yeah, he made just gamer plays. It was awesome. So that was a weird game, like fun game, but just it Very, was weird. Notre Dame looked like they were going to com- completely blow him out, and then a couple different. I don't times. know. It was weird, it, it, but just a weird kind of flowing game yeah i don't necessarily Um, come out of the game feeling worse about notre dame like i know the defense gave up some points at the end there but kind of felt like they were playing soft they got tired they were playing soft at the end so i don't know but i still i am honestly just because jack cone impressed me i'm like maybe even like slightly higher on notre dame after the game i was i kind of low higher on them than i was going into the year a little bit so um anywho wazoo um, wazoo plays portland state Oh, all right, well, all right. I mean, I I think Portland State just got whooped in week one, but now you're gonna make anyway. me look that up. Yeah, who did they play? <laughs> <laughs> they, they yeah they lost to Hawaii. Uh, okay, but they they made a comeback at the end. That's right. They lost by oh, fourteen, okay. but it was well, worse than that. Never know, Cougs. Better better be ready. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh. My last one. Uh. I, I got to touch on Sark and Texas. That was a very good first uh, appearance for the Longhorns. Uh, they won by 20, 38 to 18 against Louisiana. Um, the offense looked good, I think. It looked pretty efficient, looked solid. Um, and it, they had a, that was going up against a good defense. Louisiana sports a good defense. So Hudson Card, I was impressed with, had a good game, proficient. And then B. John Robinson, just, he does it all. I mean, you know, he's showing he can be dynamic as a receiver now uh, as well. Uh, so he was just a stud. I know they're going to continue to ride him and seems like he'll be able to handle it. Jordan Whittington looks like he'd be a breakout player at receiver, so... Uh, just an impressive start there for for the Longhorns. They could be maybe the surprise team this year. Yeah, they were rock solid. Uh, Coach O is my final takeaway Ooh. here in LSU. Yeah. They uh, Coach O could find himself on a a Gene Chizik like hot seat. I know that's the name yeah. that's been kind of thrown around in the midst of their their poor season last year. Um, he, of course, after that bad season, overhauled the staff again. But week one against at UCLA, they looked like kind of the same team uh they lost 38 27 their defense gave up a ton of big plays they couldn't stop the run max johnson was was under pressure for a lot of the game didn't have the greatest game o-line couldn't do anything in the running game um so it's not good the only good news is that the schedule gets really light for the next several weeks so maybe the both coordinators will have a chance to implement their systems and and get things going but uh yeah i would be feeling good but, and UCLA is uh, a good team, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's another story here. I don't want to just make this all about yeah. LSU. UCLA is looking legit. Yeah. There's 
chips chips got them rolling yeah before the season we had said there was a threesome in the pac-12 south uh usc utah asu with kind of ucla just outside of it well they are squarely inside of it now it's neck and neck with all of them it's they're all right there yeah but uh there you have it coach o, cool sweating a little bit yeah he is all right uh well now i have the sports reference play index stat of the week it is not sponsored Ooh. but shout out to sports reference because they are is this a great website trivia at all or it's it not trivia i can't really make fact. it into a question oh okay well actually sure i'll make it into a question <laughs> somehow uh so a certain team this weekend scored right. 61 points but their offense had just under 4.6 yards per play it's the lowest yards per play of any team to score 60 plus points in the history of college football now I can't actually prove that in the history of college football, because sports reference only goes back to 2000, but someone proved me wrong. Go ahead. I'm just going to say history of college football. Which team, which team was that? Um, I can't think of the team that scored 61. It was, I, I remember the score. Was it 61 to nine? You know, oh, it was, it was a lot to a little. Um, here, here we go again. We got to look up the, <laughs> I'm the actual it up. score. It might have been like 61. Thir- Let's see. 61, 14. Oh, well, not even close. Um, who scored 61? I will tell you uh, that the opposing quarterback oh. was Dewan Mathis. Oh, yeah. Rutgers. Rutgers, yeah. yeah. Rutgers, that's right. that's right. Temple and Rutgers. So that's pretty I know they, they got just, one defensive touchdown. They must have got some other short fields. or There were a ton of short fields. They started like <laughs> so many drives in the red zone or near the red zone. So it's actually, it's not like they had a, I mean, I would need to look deeper into the numbers, but first glance, it's not like they had a bad offensive day. When you're starting drives with such a short field, yeah. it's hard to rack just, up. Well, yeah, and I saw that Noah Vedral was the leading rusher, and it wasn't all that impressive, like you said, considering giving up or getting 61 points. So Yeah, probably got pretty conservative because they got out to a pretty good lead. But, yep, wow. That's, cr- that's crazy. Anyway, Rutgers. there you have it. Let's move on to some realignment news. So the Big 12 is reportedly set to add four new schools to the conference, and they are expected to join by 2023 or 2024 at the latest. The four schools are BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. What do you guys think about this? I think they had to do something um, to, to, to try to solidify themselves as you know that, that next conference after uh, the, the top four that will be there. Um, and this, this does it. They're clearly going to be that number five spot, which... Arguably, they've kind of been. No, they've been better in Pac-12, but they've they've been. This is just a good move, I think. BYU obviously a consistent program. Uh, Cincinnati, I mean, obviously they're really high right now, but they got a good basketball program as well. Uh, there's definitely some potential there. Houston, of course, we know the market, um, and UCF is the the one that's always been the sleeping giant. So, it doesn't like totally move the needle. No, it's they're not going to be jumping ahead of anybody, but it kind of helps solidify them a little bit. But again, the problem is if some of those bigger conferences come. Pe- asking for one of those teams they're still not gonna say no i would imagine any of those teams you're saying if, yeah. if like a the the big 10 comes for kansas yeah. or something hypothetically right yeah kansas yeah. is gonna well, say it no, doesn't appear that's happening guys. you know anytime soon so yeah exactly i hear you but i just mean like looking ahead in the future like it can't feel too sure footing you know on, on such like solid ground because you know you're still yeah well uh, you guys weaker. you guys covered this pretty well while i've been on baby duty uh, somewhat this off season, and and you guys mentioned some of these teams to 
come aboard the Big 12. So some of these teams, pro- the exact well, four, Trey, come no, on. I, right. No, props <laughs> to you. It. Props to you. But, you know, since each con- each conference is in the mode of, of plugging holes, I, I do think it's about as good of a roster as you could ask for. Like like you said, Ryan, they're all legitimate kind of programs, good, solid fan bases. But personally, I just hate the the ripple effect it has since now the AAC is left scrambling, schools there are upset, then they're going to poach the next group and the conference after them is pretty much left for dead. Like, I'm just getting really tired of the cycle with we don't know what the end game is. That's what's so frustrating. Yeah. Well, one of the conferences that will dissolve like the WAC did, you know, the WAC just like ceased to exist. Um, the uh, So as far as like the in the short term, the conference is pretty good. Like I would have to look at some SP plus numbers or some sort of metrics to compare, like how does this conference compare right now to the Pac-12, right? Because the Pac-12 is, is, is down a little well, bit. So are you including OU in Texas? No, not including For OU in the- Texas. It's okay. okay one, just- once they leave. What? Okay, but uh, but as far as like excluding OU and Texas, the the most talented team in this new conference, as far as the twenty four seven sports talent composite, is TCU at thirty. That's a good question. Oh, sorry, I gave it to you. TCU at thirtieth. <laughs> now, obviously, that's not good. A few of these teams have overachieved their talent level, right? Like Cincinnati's a top ten or fifteen team right now. Iowa State top ten. So right now, UCF. those those teams are good. UCF, but in the you know the mid to long term. You're going to need to start recruiting better if you're really going to be a power conference. And they might start doing that. Maybe. That's why I said might. Those, those are synonyms, <laughs> yeah, right? Thing. But it's interesting because of the timing. When when OU and Texas, when do they leave? When do these teams join? Will they even, will they play together at times? You know, like, does OU Texas not get out till 2025 and they have these four there? Could be a weird time. Yep. All right, let's get to our week two picks, and we will start with the biggest game, arguably. Well, I don't know. There's there's two games. Let's let's call it a co-biggest yeah. game. Oregon at Ohio State. The Buckeyes are favored 14 and a half, Trey. Yeah, I, I really put some thought into this one and made cases in my mind for both sides, but ultimately I decided on Ohio State. I just trust their offense more. CJ Stroud, like you touched on earlier, Michael, like he was hot and cold in his first action, especially in the first half, but uh, he, he lit it up in the second half. Mainly I'm chalking it up to his first game on the road in conference, a little wet too, like not, not concerned. And now, you know, we know that they rely on the big plays. You got Alave and Wilson, but freshman running backs, Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams showed that they can change a game on a dime. Uh, Thibodeau, he got hurt. But thinking he'll go and the Ducks, they have to get pressure, which is it's a very tall order against this O-line because they were stellar last week. And Oregon, they relied on that run game last week, and it wasn't even all that successful. They averaged only 3.8 yards. But overall, I need to see more out of Anthony Brown through the air and do it more consistently before I completely buy into the Ducks. And I don't know if he can do that going on the road in Columbus. So I got to go with the Buckeyes. Yeah, this one's a tough one for me. Uh, Well... I'm sure for everybody, but uh, you know, last week I, I, when I was talking with Ohio State going up against Minnesota, it was like the same spread. It was like a 14, 14 and a half points. And I remember I said, I took the Ohio State, I was like, ah, Minnesota can't keep up. And well, I pushed, but uh, it was, I just thought Ohio State was going to roll a little bit better. I just didn't think that, I thought the defense would be a little bit better. Um, going into this week, Oregon just did not impress. Uh, the offense I thought was going to be better. Um, and I think the injury to Thibodeau, 
Thibodeau. <laughs> Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, he hurt his ankle, not his toe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. All right. I think that's a factor. I mean, obviously, he's an incredible player, and if he's not a, f- a full 100%, that, that severely limits their ability to pass the uh, rush the passer. So, yeah, I got to go with Ohio State. I think there's, their offense is going to be – I mean, it's obviously incredible, and I think the defense will probably be just fine against an Oregon offense that we didn't look good in week week one. Yeah, and this one's hard to pick because uh, there's you know some injuries that you know you brought up Tibeto, uh, but there's yeah. there's other injuries too. With uh, well, first of all, you got Oregon, a couple of pieces of the secondary coming back from suspension, so that should help. I still am very concerned about uh, that secondary going to go, going up against the Ohio State yes. receiving course. That's that's why I'm taking the Buckeyes, but uh, also for Ohio State, some secondary issues themselves, and and Proctor went down the last game. Um, they've been without. Um, a couple of starters at corner, Cameron Brown, and uh, who's the other starter there? Oh, Seven Banks. So we don't know if those guys are going to be back yet. So that could have a, a big effect in the game. But I, I trust Ohio State's receivers in this one. So give me the Buckeyes. Yeah. Well, the the next big game, the Cyhawk, uh, battle for the Cyhawk trophy, Iowa at Iowa State. The Cyclones are favored four. Ryan, lead us off. Yeah, uh, well, the Cyclones are due here, man. They they've had five straight losses here in this uh, this rivalry. Um, you know, last week was a as a tough one for for Iowa State to kind of gauge. I mean, barely beat Northern Iowa. Uh, Brees Hall, Brock Purdy. You kind of feel like, hey, they're gonna figure it out though. It happened last year, week one. They didn't look good. Uh, they did lose to Iowa. Well, I guess I should say two years ago they lost Iowa, but. Um, the point is, like, we've seen them struggle and then kind of turn it around. So I'm not freaking out over Iowa State's week one performance. So uh, Iowa State, I'm taking, I'm going to take them. I trust their offense to get it going a little bit. Iowa's, I'm not sure yet, to be honest. I know they dominated Indiana, but I'm not, I don't think Brock Purdy's just going to throw the ball to him like Michael Penix did. So uh, I think Iowa's going to have to earn it a little bit, and they might, but I'm going to roll the dice with the, with the Cyclones. They're due. They got to get one here. <laughs> yeah, there's been some close... The last couple have yes. been very close with Iowa and Iowa State. Uh, and I, I also am very little concerns about that week one performance, which sounds crazy, but that's just what Iowa State does for some reason under Matt Campbell. They suck yeah, in week one. Yeah, we've seen it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think they bounce back. Charlie Kohler, who was out uh, for that game, he's likely to return from injury this week. So that is huge at tight end for Iowa State. Um, yeah, I just don't see Iowa putting up very many points. Their their best offense last week was their defense. Riley Moss had two pick sixes, but the actual offense, which, like you said, is going to have to show out a little bit in this game. I mean, it's going to be low scoring, so it won't take a ton. Oh, yeah. But uh, I'm I still have questions about Spencer Petras at quarterback, um, especially you know he wasn't good last year, lost his best receivers, so still need him to prove it to me. I, I trust Iowa State's quarterback brock purdy and the skill talent a little more so going with the hawkeyes or with the with the cyclones <laughs> the cyclone <laughs> yeah no they're they're definitely going to force petrus to beat them with his arm i would think and because it's funny though i think to a lot of people every everything about last week's results would in, instantly make you say i'm gonna i would take iowa plus the points but we're all going to take the cyclones i'm on the cyclones as well i think they were being a little vanilla last week um, and uh they'll uh they'll show up arguably the biggest game in this rivalry and yeah, Ames is going to be rocking with game day there. Oof, it's going to be come awesome. On Ames, big one. Uh, all right, let's move on here to uh, we got Appalachian State is going to the U. Uh, and I forgot the spread on this one. What's the spread on this one, Mike? Miami is favored eight and a half. Uh, oh, that's right. 
Thank you. I could have said any number there, and you would have agreed. <laughs> yeah, I should have just said <laughs> no, Miami's no, no, favorite you, thirty. You, you, I would have realized there. <laughs> yeah, probably. I wonder what the number would have been where I would have. Been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't sound yeah. right. <laughs> How far could I have gone with that number? <laughs> How far should have pushed it? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't think you can really judge Miami's offense too too much uh, from last week. I think Alabama maybe has the best defense in the country. Um, Appalachian State does have a very good defense, but nowhere, nowhere in that ballpark. So Derek King's going to have more time to find those weapons. Charleston Rambo at receiver, Will Mallory at tight end. Um, they're they're going to get a little bit, little bit more separation for him. The running game won't be completely shut down like it was last week. And I guess I just need to see uh, another game from Chase Bryce at quarterback for App State before I fully buy in there. So I liked this better when it was. I think like by to six and a half or seven but uh I'll, I'll go with or sorry plus six and a half or my yeah right minus yeah i was right the first time you were right the first time <laughs> you, you were miami minus eight and a half is my bet though yeah i uh i know it's non-conference but to go oh and two would be a tough tough for the, the the canes with with high aspirations but i think this is a get right game um you know like you said i'm pretty much ignoring the the alabama result yeah i know the canes had some struggles tackling and getting off the field but but who wouldn't and michael you touched on chase bryce like he looked good last week but it's the best he's looked in his entire career in his previous stop so i'm i need to see it against a a good canes defense on the road as well uh i acknowledge that eight and a half seems like a lot but i think this is kind of a a class relief game miami can show their stuff i'm gonna take the canes and i'm actually gonna make them my lock of the week oh boy uh well i agree I like the U. I think they'll bounce back. I I'm really surprised we all did that. Don't hold Miami. Uh, I don't hold them accountable for the Alabama game at all. I still think they're going to be a good team heading into this year. I like Derek King. He looked pretty good. I mean, he really didn't have much of a chance, but I thought he looked healthy, pretty healthy in that in that game. So I move around pretty well. So that's enough for me to say, okay, they'll be fine. I'll take the U. Next game, we got Texas minus six and a half at Arkansas. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Um, yeah, I, well, KJ Jefferson needs to step it up there, uh, at a quarterback for Arkansas. He struggled, uh, against rice and we, we, as we saw Texas's defense looked pretty good, pretty good there in week one. You know, I do think we'll see a better effort though from Arkansas. Um, offensively, they seem to kind of wake up there at the end, uh, really in the fourth quarter. And they actually ended up covering, which was a, looked like a prayer in the, after halftime they were losing. Um, but I'm going to go with the Razorbacks here. Uh, I think they're going to be ready and ready to roll for this one. They got a ton of production back. So I think they'll, the experience factor will help them. Um, tough first road game for, for, for Texas here. Um, I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll come right down to the wire. So, um, but I do, I I will take the points with Arkansas. All right. I'm actually going to give the points with the Longhorns. Uh, you know, Arkansas, of course they, they did win 38, 17, but lowly rice had a 10 point lead halfway through the third quarter. And so it took Arkansas a big kind of quarter and a half to to right the ship. And I know Texas is vulnerable with their their pass defense, but like you said, I don't I'm not worried about KJ Jefferson just throwing it all over the field on them. I mean, I'm sure he'll do fine, but at, to me it's a lot to ask. So uh, I just like the way the Longhorns looked last week. They impressed me against a good top 25 team. Hudson Card looked pretty sharp. I'll take the horns. I agree with Trey going with Texas. The just one game, but that KJ Jefferson, you know, could be a, a more of a downgrade from Felipe Franks than than we thought. And you can't can't forget bumper pool 
for Arkansas, one of their more productive linebackers out in the first half. I mean, just the name alone being without him, that's a massive right, loss. Right, that's worth like a half a point. Absolutely. He forgot to put his bumpers on. Wow. No, All right. Got nothing from me. Moving on. We got an <laughs> SEC game. We got Mizzou at Kentucky. Kentucky's favored five. Michael, where are you leaning in this one? Well, I guess that the question here is, do you believe in that new Kentucky passing offense? Is it legit? Uh, because Will Levis looks great against ULM, which I won't say means nothing because you look at you know a team like Tennessee with uh, Joe Milton and they didn't look great against Bowling Green uh, in the passing game. So looking great is something, it, it's, but it's still ULM. So taking it with a little bit of a grain of salt. So I'm betting against it for now. I'm, I'm pretty high on Eli Drinkwitz in Missouri. I still, of course, would take Connor Bazelak over Will Levis. So getting five points in what I think is, you know, kind of a toss-up um, competitive game, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, this is a tough one. Uh, I'm not sure what to expect here, but it was a it, it, Kentucky did what they were supposed to do last week. They beat up on a, a lower opponent and looked pretty sharp doing it. And the defense was real sharp. Um, and I know Missouri was in a little bit of a tussle with Central Michigan, who was not a bad team, but uh, they they really should have done a little bit better job than that. I was a little concerned. Uh, Mizzou had a little bit of a struggle there. Um, I think they need to shore up their run D a little bit, uh, Missouri does, because Chris Rodriguez is tough to bring down, uh, the running back for Kentucky, and that old line means business. So I'm actually going to go with Kentucky here. I think the ground game will just be a little bit too much for Missouri to handle. Um, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll go with the, the Wildcats. Yeah, I agree. It's a very tough game to to handicap, but I am, I'm going to be like Michael, I'm not going to totally overreact to Kentucky's amazing week one performance. I was impressed, but mm-hmm. I need to just see it over a, a against a, another quality opponent in this case. Uh, and because I think Missouri, like Tyler Beatty ran the ball, he ran for over 200 yards, like he could have a, a decent day in, and, 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 and overall, it's a sneaky good conference game that could have bowl seating implications down the road. Yeah, for sure. I like, I like, I like both these teams. I think they I think they'll have good years overall. Um, all right, moving on here, we got UW. Washington is going to Ann Arbor to play Michigan, and Michigan is favored a touchdown right now. Trey, what do you think? I'm going to buy low on Washington here. You know, one week ago, low. I would not have been. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> they 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 were at rock bottom last week, but a week ago, I would not have gotten this this many points. Uh, I know we've touched on it. They only scored seven against Montana. I get it. I'm aware and I'm nervous about that. Dylan Moore, Morris, three picks. It was ugly. But I think they can get the ground game going with Newton. The Husky defense was lights out in that game. Gave up only 232 yards. And Michigan, they looked terrific. Averaged almost eight yards per carry. McNamara played pretty well in, in the time that he needed. But I think Jimmy Lake's Husky defense will be a much bigger challenge for them this week. And I think that we're going to see a different Husky team. Uh, Michigan might win, but I think the Huskies cover. Yep, I agree with you there. I, I still sort of like the matchup of Washington's defense against Michigan's offense, especially with, unfortunately, yeah, Ronnie Bell out news. for the year at receiver. He had a couple of great plays in uh, in week one, so that's a huge loss. He's one of the people they could least lose, you know? I mean, he was very valuable. Yeah. Of course, one of those plays didn't count, the one-handed catch, but it was still amazing. That was ridiculous. Um, that was a great catch. You know, and of course, I'm not bullish on Washington's offense, especially if the injuries at receiver are serious because they are very shorthanded there. But I, I refuse to believe that it's as bad as it played yeah. against Montana. 
Um, so I think Washington can keep this game ugly a little bit and, and cover seven. I'm, I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think it was ugly for UW for a reason. They just, their offense stinks. They are not going to be able to throw the ball. So Michigan, while I'm, I don't think they're going to be lights out on offense and Ronnie Bell losing him really, really hurts, but I think they got a little bit more muster than, uh, what UW's going to be able to do. And, um, I liked what Michigan did uh, against Caleb Ellaby and Western Michigan. They did a pretty good job against that solid offense. So maybe the, the maybe Michigan's D's bounced back after last year not doing so well. So um, give me give me the maize and blue. All right, the final big game we have here: Utah minus seven at BYU. We got the Holy War. Trey, That's awesome. What do you think? First of all, I didn't realize that Utah has a nine-game winning streak in this this one, but I'm going to wow. take the home dog Cougars. Uh, unfortunately last week they did lose their wideout Gunnar Romney to injury, but they're expected to have the Nakua brothers, Samson and Puka back this week, kind of help offset the loss. Jaron Hall, I think at quarterback, I think he'll look more to one of the better tight ends in the country. Isaiah Rex didn't really look at him too much last week. And then the other thing about BYU last week is they were without linebacker Max Tooley, who should be back. Uh, I think that'll help since they gave up some big plays to the Arizona they're going to try and contain Charlie Brewer and running back Tavion Thomas, who was outstanding last week against, I think, Weber State, average nine yards per carry. This will be It's going to be a good litmus test, though, to see where these teams stack up for the rest of the year. Yep, I, I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm going to go the other way, though. I'm going to take Utah. Um, I really like what they have coming back just overall. Their defense is going to be stout. I, I think BYU will kind of struggle to move the ball on them. I really don't think they're going to be able to run it very well. Um, on the flip side, I think Utah will be able to run a little bit on on, on this BYU defense. So uh, BYU was actually outgained by 50 yards against Arizona, and Arizona is just not on Utah's level even close. So I think Utah's got a pretty distinct advantage here. Um, so give me uh, give me Utah, and Utah's going to be my lock of the week. Ryan, you put it very well. I was underwhelmed also with BYU's performance against Arizona. And I couldn't agree more, so I am also going to make Utah (laughs) minus seven my lock of the week. You guys are rocking the Utes. Trey, you let us down. Last week, week one, all three of us had a lock on UCLA. Easy W there. Oh, yeah. But you guys guys are staying in the Pac-12 for your locks. I like it. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's uh, move on to the honorable mentions, Ryan. All right. The first one here. I have NC State is going to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Um, Mississippi State escaped in week one, um, barely. They get, they somehow made a big comeback against uh, Louisiana Tech. NC State's favorite, or uh, Mississippi State, NC State's favorite two and a half years, sorry. Don't think I said that. Uh, NC State looked great, though. They shut out South Florida 45 nothing. Ouch, South Florida's not looking good. Uh, but I'm going to roll with Devin Leary and the Wolfpack. I think they're better uh, on both sides of the ball here. Um, I got Cal at TCU. TCU is favored ten and a half. The latest that I see here. Cal had a rough last three quarters uh, against Nevada. Uh, it's really the same old issue. They just can't pass the ball. Uh, so it's a very good matchup here for TCU's defense, who looks like uh, they're kind of back to Gary Patterson's high standards. So I'm going to give the points uh, with with TCU. Uh, Tulsa at Oklahoma State. It's my next game. Oklahoma State's favorite 13. Uh, Tulsa was upset by UC Davis uh, in week one, while Oklahoma State barely beat Missouri State. So both these teams need a bounce back game. Uh, last year, Tulsa played this uh, in Stillwater and played Oklahoma State real tough. And I think they're going to do it again. Still got a good defense, and I'm not going to freak out to a loss to UC Davis. It happens. Offense will find a way to move the ball. So all of them going to take the points with Tulsa. 
And my last game is Liberty at Troy. Liberty is favored four and a half. Both teams had pretty easy wins in week one. Uh, but with the line being as low as it is, I'm I'm going to take Liberty here. I'm going to take the best player in the game, roll with him, Malik Willis. Uh, so give me Liberty. All right. My first game, Texas A&M, minus 17 against Colorado. Technically not a road game. It's being played in Denver, uh, but kind of a road game there. And A&M's defense just completely shut down what is a very good Kent State offense. And that was without their top corner, Miles Jones, who might be back this week. So I think Colorado's offense struggles. I'll take the Aggies to get the win and cover. Toledo at Notre Dame, Irish favored 16 and a half. I was actually impressed with uh, the Notre Dame passing offense like we talked about earlier. I think they flashed some really high upside. But offensive line... Uh, looking not quite as strong as, as previous years and, of course, suffered an injury there. So uh, I like Toledo to get the cover here. They might be the best team in the MAC, solid on both sides of the ball. So Toledo for the cover. Next game, Pitt, minus 3.5 at Tennessee. Joe Milton is surprisingly the starter for Tennessee, and he was 11 for 23 for 140 yards and a touchdown against Bowling Green, despite having a ton of time to throw on a lot of those plays against a a not good defense so now going up against a very good Pitt defense I think he'll struggle so Pitt is my pick there and then Ball State at Penn State Penn State's favorite 22 and a half Uh, Ball State won the MAC last year but they did have some some good luck in close games so I'm not putting Penn State on upset alert here Um, I think they'll be able to run the ball pretty easily and protect Sean Clifford of course a lot better than they did last week against Wisconsin So I think it's an easy win, but I'll take Ball State and and quarterback Drew Plitt to get the cover. All right, my first matchup here is Stanford at USC. The Trojans are given 17. I don't love giving this many points with Clay Helton, but I just don't have a lot of faith in the Cardinal right now. They're switching from Jack West to Tanner McKee at quarterback. McKee did play better last week, but mainly because Kansas State had the game in hand up 24-0 late. Stanford, they're not showing much defensively either. I, I, they gave up too many yards on the ground, so I could see Keontae Ingram having a solid day and the Trojans march to a victory. UAB at Georgia. Georgia's given 24.5. Talk about a letdown spot. Coming off the high of beating Clemson, where they devoted all their offseason energy to that specific game. The defense did look like the best in the nation, and they should dominate UAB. But I'm going to take the points due to the situation. Tyler Johnston is a veteran quarterback who I could see generating a drive or two to keep it under that 24 and a half. San Diego State at Arizona. This one's a pick. I'm going to take the Wildcats. I wasn't high on the Jedfish hire, um, but I did, to their credit, like the, the way that they fought last week in their game against BYU. That Wazoo transfer Gunnar Cruz was slinging it well against that defense. And uh, the Arizona's defense, it leaves a lot to be desired, but they didn't roll over last week. San Diego's offense is dreadful. Jordan Brookshire was 7-20, had a pick against New Mexico State, one of the worst teams out there. I'll take Arizona. And then finally, Rutgers, minus 2.5 at Syracuse. Tough game to handicap, but I'm landing on Rutgers since I think they have a better defense. Both teams played some inferior foes last week, but Rutgers just completely overwhelmed Temple, forced five turnovers. Not necessarily going to happen again, but I think they can do enough to stop Tommy DeVito from having success through the air. All right, that'll do it for week two. Let's close out this episode with a questionable finish. An Indiana player wore a jersey on Saturday that had Indiana misspelled across the front. It was I-N-D-I-N. That happens way too much. What? 
that happens way too much where a jersey's misspelled on the front or something. I it's feel like, like I don't remember that happening. Maybe I don't know. Oh, what? Maybe like another sport. There was on Twitter. There was like a whole list of them that was really photos of like, oh yeah. I feel like maybe Kentucky maybe people's to, I mean, names spelled wrong, but okay, I didn't remember yeah, the too. jersey's team actually being spelled wrong. But anyway, yeah, it was spelled I N D I N I A Indonesia. Uh, what word do you struggle to spell? Um, tough one for me. I mean, there's a more than one, but uh, I'll, I'll go with entrepreneur. That mm. one is uh, that's a little tough, you know. Like the especially the ending. I'm like, is the U first or is the E? First? I don't know. It's 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 difficult. I could see that one. Mine is yeah. diarrhea. I just <laughs> Oof, yeah. I, I never know where to put the H. Or how many R's there yeah. are? <laughs> it's how often are you needing to spell well, this? Well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe I need to have my bowel situation checked out. But I feel like I look that word up like every couple months or something. Wow. I don't know. Somehow I is use there, it. Is there two R's? There are two H's. Yikes. I'll spell it. It's D I K R R H E A. Oh. Uh-huh. I often put the H before uh-huh. the R's. Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Cool. I honestly didn't think about ever having to spell that. But thank you, Michael, for that. <laughs> Uh, I would say DJ Uyunglele. No, they, uh, but no, uh, I always have trouble with affect and effect. Like mm. no matter how many mm. times I use them, I still have to remind myself which one to use in the context. And honestly, like if I'm texting and I blank on it, I just reword my text and say a different sentence. <laughs> you didn't, let's not use that word. <laughs> yeah. That's what I do with diarrhea. I just, I just call it, you know yeah. what? We're not going to go there. <laughs> you just call it a shark. <laughs> Uh, UConn head coach Randy Etzel has stepped down from his position and will retire effective immediately. So, Trey, should we give Ryan a win for drafting him first in our fired coaches draft in the offseason? It's impressive to do it in week one. I'm, I'm going to give it to him, but there's technicalities. <laughs> like, he randomly got to go first. We didn't draw for it. And, yeah. you know, it is technically not a firing, but I think we can all agree it was inevitable. It wasn't just firing, right? It was... I think you worded it where I was like, no, I to leave or something. Uh, no, did I? I thought I worded it as fired, but with, I remember when Trey oh, drafted, yeah. uh, um, how am I forgetting Duke's head coach name? Um, David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe. David Cutcliffe. We were like, we'll give it to you if he steps down or agrees oh, okay. to. Right. right. So I, I gotcha. think we should give Ryan Edsel. This is de- they just lost to I Holy mean, Cross. Was, like he was exactly. fired. Yeah, he's getting fired. Exactly. It was basically a Had firing, to. maybe. Yeah, I mean, of course it is. All right. He wouldn't be retiring. Let's get to our upset specials. Got to pick a seven-plus point underdog to win outright. I'll take Tulsa as a 13-point dog to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, I know, like Ryan said, Tulsa coming off that bad loss to UC Davis, but also mentioned Oklahoma State didn't do much better against Missouri State. And as of right now, Mike Gundy is optimistic that Spencer Sanders will be back after being out for COVID protocols, but... He is not above, you know, a couple turnovers and, and costing his team the game. Plus, <laughs> their their star edge rusher, Trace Ford, out for the year with a, a torn ACL. So Tulsa win in a Dang. low-scoring game would not surprise me here. Western Kentucky, they're getting a touchdown from Army. Western, Western's Bailey Zappi threw for seven touchdowns last week. Their defense isn't all that bad either. Might be able to get some stops against that Army option attack. Yep, I hear you there. Um, I like both those picks. Um, I'm going to go with Buffalo. Hate to do it, but I'm going against the Nebraska. They're uh, they're getting 13 and a half uh, going to Lincoln. 
Buffalo's, I just think they're a good team. Uh, they've been good the last few years. Kyle Van Treese is an experienced quarterback. Kevin Marks is a really good running back, strong O-line. They got uh, one of their best playmakers back on defense, Taylor Riggins, who missed all last year. Good good guy to get into the quarterback. So I think uh, Buffalo can come in and surprise the Huskers. Oh, we won't be surprised. <laughs> well, yeah, true. I, I won't be, but, yeah. you know, the spread. All right. Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros. Uh, be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well and Instagram at CFB Bros, both of those. And we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.